Adventures from the Potbelly Cobalt, a book containing 15 short 5th edition adventures designed by some of the RPG's industry's greatest talent. A few of the adventures are... Into the Clouds by J.V.C. Perry. Blue Moon by Cat Evans. Shattered Grace by Sly Flourish. <laughs> Clunk Spindle's Clockwork Conundrum by M.T. Black. Redeemed with Fire by Sean Merwin. The adventures are designed to be used individually, giving a game master the ability to run a quick one-shot or allowing them to drop the adventure into their own campaign. The Pot-Bellied Kobold also has a way to link several of the adventures, uh, providing you with a short campaign. Woohoo! <laughs> Head on over to jeffstevensgames.com and check out his Kickstarter today. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm look at the, the darn live stream on Facebook. Fight <laughs> delay there. That's okay. Oh, okay. Hey, Mr. Crit, uh, just, I'm sorry. No, Good dude, back. I thought it froze and I was freaking so, out for a second. <laughs> so unprofessional of me. Uh, Let me pull my show notes back up. I am your guest, Jeff Stevens. I'm your co-host, Austin. And I'm your other co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither has our D&D games. <laughs> no. 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 Especially this Halloween. I got some great stuff coming up. I'm super stoked. Yeah. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to convince Brandon to run The Haunting for us. Oh. So. Um, great, great adventure. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we got a glad to be here. We Always got... a pleasure to, to <laughs> chat with you all. I yeah. love having you on. That's probably why I keep asking you back. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> Every time I listen back to the episode you're on, I was like, damn, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> you, you are just so full of wisdom. <laughs> we got a great, great show today. We are going to be talking adventures from the Potbelly Cobalt, the Kickstarter you are launching right now. Uh, it is live as of 10, 11. What is the end date for that? Uh, November 6th. So you got till November 6th to check this bad boy out. And I guarantee by the end of this episode, you're going to want to go pick it out. Um, yeah, 26 days left and it's already 60% funded. So I'm pretty excited. That's, that's awesome. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah, it took us a while to get to that point. So I'm super, uh, I'm super happy for it, you. You know, as a first time Kickstarter, I'm sure you had the same hopes of, you know, funding on day one. And so when yeah. I didn't do that, I was a little disappointed, but you know, it's, it's trucking along. So I'm all right. Yeah. Well, when, when, when I've got friends in my feed who are funding in hours, Laura Smith, <laughs> Laura Smith tend to do that. Yep. He, he funded yeah. in like two hours, I think. I'm just like, uh, but he's also done his number 10. So, um, anyways, so if, uh, you enjoy our show today, uh, please consider supporting us. Head on over to CritAcademy.com. Check out our Patreon page. Uh, some of our best-selling D&D supplements. Uh, pick those up. Maybe even sub just subscribe to our newsletter. Lots of good stuff. Please, if you like the content, like it and share it. Maybe subscribe to us on YouTube. We need to get those subscriber counts up um and see if it's worth continuing to stream there uh <laughs> we'll see um but anyways we want to thank you guys for joining us here today at crit academy studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter
Yep, that's right. Your rolls are like an adventure without any kobolds. That'd be a pretty tough challenge to do, honestly, to run an entire campaign without I mean, seeing a single kobold. That yeah. or a goblin. Or a goblin, yeah. <laughs> or a goblin. It would just be kind of a letdown, I would think. What would you put in? Human bandits, and those aren't really that Yeah, fun. I guess that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Though they do have some good attitude. You can be really goblins. Good. Yeah. You can be sassy. Bandits. Sassy. Oh, by the way, if anybody is following us on our Let's Play and I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3, um, it really, I ran into a situation where it really does explain, exhibit how a D&D campaign should be. When the players go in to a group, an area full of goblins and they talk shit and then they get into a fight and they're overrun by goblins and die. That's exactly what should happen when you go into their territory. Um, it was, Makes it was sense bad. to me. Um, so I regret talking shit to that guy and I'll probably have to do something about that later when I restart. <laughs> Anyways, uh, for our, let's talk about blank segment. I, I grew up on power Rangers. Anybody ever watch that stuff? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. I know, Jeff, Jeff, you're a little bit older than us. So is that something that you missed? I'm pretty sure. I power did Rangers. not watch much of the, I've watched some of the power Rangers, but not much of it. Okay. I say, I'm pretty sure it's been around for, a, I think I stopped like around time while, force. Right? <laughs> Well, the fact you know what season you might have stopped on says that you were pretty deep into it. Well, actually, also, maybe a better question is, when did it start in the U.S. versus when it started in Japan? Because those are two yeah, very, very different answers. Very different <laughs> answers, yeah. But anyways, the reason I bring this up is because Hasbro has joined forces with uh, Renegade Studios um, to bring a fifth edition Power Rangers game. That sounds fucking phenomenal. Like, uh, how much do you know about uh, Power Rangers? Do you have a general I- uh, uh, idea of the concept there, uh, Jeff? Blue, pink, yellow, green, and red. Yes, <laughs> is it right? They can kick, they can kick ass and then More they transform right. by so, uh, you so know to, to Voltron. See, I watched a lot of Voltron. See, when I was now a kid. Voltron's um, my jams, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that another one I grew up on, but that shit was old when I got into it. Hey, thanks oh, for yeah. the subscribe, but I don't Thank have the thing up yeah. to know who did that. So Yeah, in the U.S., Power Rangers started in 1993, while in Japan, 1975. Yeah, it's a lot older. Was it really there. that big of a difference? Yes. Yeah. It is drastic. Wow. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I'm really excited for this because, first of all, one of the coolest things that I've liked about 5e is how versatile it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes it uh, easy to shape a story in a campaign setting around the the, 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 the designs. For um, sure. Now, we don't have a lot of information about this, but one of the things that I always, is most notable in Power Rangers are their two key powers. They can transform and they can teleport, right? And they can summon robots that combine together. Yeah. You beat you. I was I was trying to avoid that right now because I think that's a big topic of discussion. Um, so first, I want to talk about how, Jeff. If you had were running a, a a game where the character got most of their power by transforming, what sort of mechanic do you think would fit that theme? Um, either one that's already existing or something you would think that uh, you could think uh, create yourself. You could do it the way with, with the. Um... Moon Druid, Circle of, uh, Circle of the Moon, I think oh, it is. Oh, like where the shape-shifting. They, uh, yeah, shape-shifting. So, you know, after their hit points are reduced and then they lose that transformation and they go back to their human form or their um, their spandex form, however you want to call it. Spandex. And, Damn it, dude, that's a better answer yeah. than I had. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I remember back in 4th edition, there was an item called teleporting armor, which it does not do what you think it does. Oh, <laughs> I'm just imagining you're going like this and then armor just... Like yep. appearing on top on of you. you. Okay, yes. 
Is that what it does? It like 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 Iron Man does that, right? Right. He summons his space awesome. armor and it comes yeah. down and on top of him. I was yeah. but oh, so go ahead. But they found that bomb like uh online of a group who walked around with no armor. And when they would get in the bell, they would yell, It's Morphin time! And the armor would teleport on them. I was thinking it was more like a uh oh sorry, did you have more? Yeah, and I guess the enemies just stood there waiting for their their armor to appear on them. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it happens. Another thing you could do is you could do like a limited duration, the twice per day for ten minutes a day or something like that. Thinking something like that. I was gonna go with like a like an almost like an Azamar ability or like a paladin transformation. Okay. Those are both really good. Me, I thought barbarian, like like a, like a turn they, on rage. Yeah, they literally like they they he rages, he Makes takes sense. half damage. I mean, that's what I was going to, but I gotta be honest, your guys' ideas are way better than mine. If anything, that I one probably you, makes the most sense. I think you'd want to limit it though, because you want you still want the role play ability and the the character ability For as well sure. as not you know just not the power armor mm-hmm. go in there and kick butt. You still want to have them in in peril sometimes some way, okay. and I teach would... them to to use their their transformation ability at certain times and then just rely on it. Right. I I think that it makes me wonder because like you, you would almost want to make like a new class for it. Yeah. Because there's so much involved, I guess. I can see that because there's, and I assume a Power Ranger has like do. martial arts, but they also wield weapons, guns, and they have giant fighting robots. Well, okay, so let, let's get to that because that's honestly of all the things so that I like, thought was cool about this. I don't know the idea of them fighting in giant robots was just the cool. It's kaiju battles, man. You, you're fighting like a mythic level monster. Yeah, but it's but just you five yourself, of you guys in a robot. Yeah, but you yourself are not that strong. Um, well, yeah. how, how, how would you approach this, Jeff? Because this, this just, this blows my mind as a DM and is as it, a player. Am I the only one who has a kid wondered, why didn't you summon the giant robot when the master was still small? Why didn't they just start? Yeah, and step <laughs> on it. Um, Jeff? That, that sounds, you know, super like a, a group skill check. Okay. Um, okay. If, you, if you're, if you're like five people in the monster or, you know, in your robot battling the monster, try and do some kind of like group skill check to, um, or, or group battle check. If everybody rolls a rolls a twenty, then you know you've got a great a great hit against the monster. Or if three succeed, well, you maybe just nick it, you know, because um, because it's all about the coordination within the within the book or within the monster or the, the uh, robot. Fucking sorry. Billy, you're supposed when, to step when you look left. At the kaiju stuff, you know, um, <laughs> Pacific Rim. Uh-huh. Those people had to act in tandem yeah, for it did. to work, and That's one one wasn't working, only one side worked, you know. And yep, that's that. I could also see it being handled like the starships in Starfinder. Like each player has a role. Like one person was the captain. I was thinking more yeah. towards that. One person controlled movement, and multiple people could control individual weapons and so forth. And actually, yep. that would slow down combat. Right. Yeah. I mean, it you'd would. have each it person taking a turn to do something. Well, yeah, Pathfinder's so. not exactly known for its fast combat, anyways. No. <laughs> okay. True. And as regards to how to make Power Rangers, there's been a few suggestions in chat, kind of like what you were saying. One person's Different circle druid. Right. Or cobalt. <laughs> three cobalt's in a trench coat. Uh, <laughs> each person's an Eldritch Knight. See, right. now that's really cool. I like that. The Eldritch yeah. Knight that Alan Tucker says. And it makes sense, so, yeah. Um, have, you ever, have we ever asked, are the cobalt's naked in the trench coat? Hmm. Can you just imagine? Like, dude, your dong's in my face. <laughs> That's not that the trench coat just kind of says, you know, three naked cobalt. Oh, gosh. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Um, why? We... Why are you not wearing pants, sir? Because uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm in a trench coat. <laughs> a... 
Terrence. <laughs> looking like you're ready to flash everyone. All right. Anyways, I thought this was really cool. And honestly, while I'm not into Power Rangers like I was when I was, you know, 10, I right. think this is a really cool idea because I'm curious to how they're going to do some of this stuff. Because mm-hmm. as a DM and as a player, the idea of occasionally fighting giants like Jurassic's but then in yourself not being strong enough to actually do that. Um, you have to work together with this this powerful suit of armor that only functions by each person's movements is just it sounds fantastic. It sounds like a great opportunity for um uh, a great opportunity for role play and, and world shaking events, you know. Mm-hmm. So um I also heard that they were looking at my little pony for five fifth edition. Yeah. That's also interesting. I have not seen My Little Pony, but I'm sure if Brandon watches this, he's going to be super excited. <laughs> I don't know much about that. I know somebody's name's Rainbow Dash. Yeah, Rainbow <laughs> Dash, Applejack. See, my daughter used to watch My Little Pony. Twilight it's Sparkle. It's actually a good show. Twilight Sparkle. Yeah, I heard the yeah. reboot was actually pretty solid overall. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this guy. Yeah, no. Okay, so I think we'll do it before we start talking about My Little Pony. He's got too much man to watch My Little Pony. It's not that... Yeah, okay, that's probably Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our Let's Talk About Blank segment. If you want to check out the link we uh, that we found this at, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com slash post slash episode 191. You'll find it right there uh, in the, the show notes. Um, before we move on to our main topic uh, with Jeff here, we have a gift to give away. Compliments of Lore Smith. Yeah, Lore Smith, thank you. Again. As every week. <laughs> uh, so, the gift to give away today is the modular dungeon tiles. Now, it's not just any modular dungeon tiles. It's specifically the Arcania set. And if you don't know anything about them, they are uh, an easy way to create your own beautiful digital maps. Now, the Arcania set in specific lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon maps rich with the fumes of arcane secrets. So, maybe for once in this hole in this wall, it's rather large. Somehow, you found the Megazord. <laughs> Unfortunately, on the other hole, you have found the Tarasque. I wish you the best. Hopefully you find them in that order. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you find them in that order. It would be very... Uh, uh, the consequences are high if in reverse order. <laughs> that's funny. Jeff, who is our winner today? Uh, I'm going to say M.P. Panucci. Or M. Panucci. I like that. That's a solid set. Way better than mine. <laughs> Uh, that's funny congratulations if you enjoy the adventure please consider checking out Warsmith's other fat loots it's got lots of good stuff including some additional freebies you can find there on our website under the sponsors tab lots of good stuff Um, tons of good stuff yeah and I accidentally closed my show notes so I need a second (laughs) (laughs) now moving on to our main topic adventures from the potbelly kobold now let's face it guys Game master, as game masters, we don't have, um, but sometimes don't have the time to prepare for an adventure for the next session. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. And um, by game I masters, mean, we mostly would. mean you. So, well, okay, yeah, I guess they wouldn't have I mean, any idea, but I know Jeff yeah, does. Right? I have done it. This, this. Hold on. This is. Well, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm just saying it's not as regular. <laughs> it doesn't seem as regular unless you're just not inviting me, and now I just feel sad. No, 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 no. It's not as regular because I tried, and then the group fell apart. That's more yeah. likely what happened. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we know this isn't always our fault. We can't predict what chaos may or may not occur every single day in our lives, especially as adults. I find that my it's harder as an adult than it ever was as a kid when I didn't have to pay for nothing. I didn't have to go to work, and I didn't have anything important to do. There also wasn't a pandemic. <laughs> that sucks, too. <laughs> That's a pretty big one. Well, what was the phrase? As a kid, I had no money to buy stuff for D&D. 
or play video games. As an adult, I don't have time to play either one. <laughs> but I, now I have all the money to buy those things. Um, but, Speak for yourself. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> now, we can't always, uh, nor can we prepare for all that stuff. Uh, when the adventure parting turns left, when they should have turned right. We've talked about that numerous times on our show where I prepared an amazing campaign based off the billowing cloud in the east and the bastards went to the west. Well, you know, that kind of just sucked, but that's sometimes how it goes. Well, Adventures from the Potbelly Kobold hopes to remedy this by supplying you with one-shot adventures designed to run quickly and efficiently. And can I say, Jeff, your stuff is always well-organized and efficient, so kudos to you. (laughs) With many of them requiring little prep time. Now, Jeff, this isn't your first time joining us. But there may be listeners who are joining in this episode or watching for the first time. So uh, before we get too much into uh, the adventures of the Potbelly Kobold, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do in the RPG world? Sure. I am Jeff Stevens. I'm a 49-year-old uh, guy living in the Midwest, I'm realizing a dream of writing for D&D. Um, you know, it's not official stuff, but I'm still writing, writing stuff and, and living out a dream here. Mm. When I was a kid playing in the eighties, Dungeons and Dragons, and, um, just love that game back then. And clearly you still do. When I graduate. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I quit playing in 1994 when I graduated college mm. thinking that that was the last time you know, I'd ever roll the dice or change my hit points. Um, and thinking, you know, going into the adult world, nobody plays games anymore. Well, little did I know that that was not correct. <laughs> not, not, not in the slightest. About, <laughs> about six years ago, my brother approached me and said, hey, um, I've got a group of guys who are playing D&D. You want to wanna join us? And I was like, eh, maybe. Well, I, I went ahead and joined the game. Loved it. Had a great time. Um, that's right before 5th edition came out. So when 5th edition came around, I actually started DMing. And I based all my campaign off of... Uh, Metallica and Primus songs, and <laughs> then I found the DMs Guild, and I was like, "Hey, I could I could do as just as good, if not hopefully better than some of the stuff that's on here." Mm-hmm. And so I wrote up uh, the House of the Midnight Violet, and put that put that up there, and was expecting it to sell like a hundred copies on day one. It didn't, but I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't get too um, destroyed by that. And I put out another one, The Throne of Bone, and then I just kept I just realized that I, I really enjoyed writing and creating these adventures and sharing these stories with people. And so I just kept on going. And uh, I have a few titles now, now, now total on the DMs Guild. And um, Just a few, huh? Just a, just a few. Just a few, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> I have a few. And it's, <laughs> it's just been so much fun. I mean, I enjoy writing. I enjoy telling stories. And so this has been my outlet for that. Maybe one of these days I'll write the Great American Novel. Uh, I'm waiting <laughs> for it. Yeah, I think you could do for it. For now, this is what I do. Yeah. yeah. Um. And in for those joining us for the first time, if it wasn't for you coming on the show and saying that exact thing a year, two years ago now, probably I probably would have never started writing either. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just have to. I mean, you have to take that jump. You have to take that step yep. and just say, "I'm going to do this." It doesn't matter what the outcome is. And mm-hmm. you know, let's face it: majority of the products that hit the DMs Guild do not do well. That's just because there's so much content on the Dungeon Masters. For sure. But, you know, the the more you build up your product numbers and your library for people to purchase from, the more money you'll make at this. Mm -hmm. And And hoping to do this full time one of these days. And honestly, I think you, I think I do think you're going to get there eventually. I mean, it's definitely just like anything else. It's, it's a, it's a climb. And, but once you get to the top and you can say, you know what, 
I'm doing enough. I can survive off this. I want to do this full time because then when you're dedicating your whole time to it, you're going to get better at it. You're going to get faster at it. You're going to be able to put out more content. And then really... There's a very significant jump when you start going full-time. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like... Because you're dedicating everything to it. Yeah. So... It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just, when are you comfortable making that leap? And that's right. always the, the, yeah. the hard Yeah, and there's question. just always this thought in the back of your mind, like, when is 5th edition going to die? You know, when is it yeah. no longer going to be popular? Or when is my stuff no longer going to be popular and somebody else gains a spotlight and starts taking over my sales and that type of thing. You know, yeah. it's, 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 just, I mean, I'm sure there's many writing freelancers out there who are, have the same questions every day. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Uh, can you uh, segue into the next thing here? Uh, can you tell us uh, about adventures from the Potbelly Cobalt? Sure. It is a one. book of 15. Well, currently it's a book of 15 short adventures. Um, I did not write all of the adventures. I have uh, a cast of writers that I reached out to. I wanted to make this a really cool book. And I thought, um, and also writing 15 adventures takes a lot of time. And if yes. I can write, uh, hire that out, I can have the adventures written before the Kickstarter launch. And I do. I have all 15, <clears throat> excuse me, 15 adventures written <clears throat> plus the first uh um, bonus, uh, uh, what do they call that? Stretch um, goal. Yes, <laughs> the first stretch, the first three stretch goals are already ready. Wow, um, that's amazing. So as we hit those, really you know, that's that's a little bit less work for me. All I have to do now is finish up the editing, um, uh, hire out some more cartography and some more art. And, and for people that don't know that, that's a huge investment. It is. Um, yeah. yeah, I already have at least $10,000 invested in this project. Yeah, just think about that, you guys. He's already spent that, and that yeah. just is just shows how – but the writers you have gotten, dude. I mean, James Intracasso, JVC Perry, Catherine Evans. I mean, you have a long list of fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're very uh, good at what Tony they do. Tony Winslow Brill, Sean Merwin, um, Oliver Clegg or Oliver Darkshire. Uh, just, I just wanted people on this – that. That, I, that I've read and I thought did well. Um, yeah. And there's so many other people that I could have chosen, but I had mm-hmm. to limit my, my numbers yeah. uh, because, you know, pay, paying for writing is expensive. Yep. And, yep. you know, then it, then it, so each one of these adventures, including the editing, art, and cartography, the writing, runs about $700 to $1,100 to, to create. And so if you look at 15 adventures, look at it, say roughly $15,000 overall to create this book. Um, right. I, I set my goal. At ten thousand, uh, just because I wanted it to fund, I was mm-hmm. going to do the book either way. So if I get some money back through the Kickstarter, great. Um, but you know, oh, but this book is designed for for DMs, like we have said in the, in the beginning there, to take one of these adventures and run. You know, little prep. Each one's going to have a map. Each one's going to have some color art that they're going to be able to showcase. And each one is written from fifteen hundred words to three thousand words. So you're looking at maybe one to three hours, four hours. It all depends on how long, how your players play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, do they like role play? Do they like combat? You know, it can go faster. It can go slow, depending on, on their actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, this is correct me if I'm wrong. This is your your first Kickstarter. Yes. Um, so, of all, I, I know you've done a plethora of content in DMs Guild. Um, what was the big uh, thing that drove you to say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to try doing Kickstarter instead of the DMs Guild. Because if I'm not mistaken, um, you won't. this won't end up on DMs Guild because of the Kickstarter. Is that how that works? Right. 
Okay. Right, you can't kickstart a DMSCO project. Right. So what what drove that decision? The uh, initial cost investment to create this. Uh, receiving $10,000 through the Kickstarter is a lot quicker than receiving $10,000 through sales through DMs Guild, yes. especially when DMs Guild takes 50%. Um, also, I yeah. wanted to include um, creatures from Cobalt Press's Tonal Beast and Creature Codex. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's some great creatures in there, and Cobalt Press has a lot of um, customers who have bought those books, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's a whole lot of products out there who use who utilize those creatures and so i wanted to kind of incorporate that too so you're getting adventures with basic monsters with stuff that we've created and then with coal presses creatures um giving you a wide range of different kind of creatures to throw at your at your adventuring party yeah i don't know who i was talking to if it was you guys but I thought it was absolutely amazing that you included the Cobalt Press stuff because I have not seen a product that wasn't Cobalt Press that included the Cobalt Press co- co- uh, um, content. content. Thank you. I had, yeah, I, my the open gaming license allows you to do that. And that's that's see that's phenomenal. And and I think we need more of that. So um, I'm going to take a page from your book if I end up doing more. I think I'm going to start including that because I, I that didn't even cross my mind as a content creator to reach out and, and include those sorts of things. And, not to mention, and I double-checked with Wolfgang Bauer, too, and I'm, I'm okay to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big I, thing. Yeah, too. you definitely got to do the cover the legality yeah. purposes. And I think that the benefit with this, too, is with DM scale, let's face it, even if you have a good pedigree of content behind you on that site, you don't know how much you're going to sell there. Or at least with Kickstarter, when it's done you at least know how much you're getting up front. Right. Which yeah. helps yeah, when you've exactly. invested 10 grand already. Yeah. <laughs> or actually more than that. Um, yeah. So. It's, it's, it's really tough. I mean, it's tough to take that leap because I know I do fairly well in the DMs guild, mm-hmm. but there's so much coming out now on the DMs guild that your stuff just gets lost yes. so quick. I, I, I um, agree. And to invest this much money into this kind of product, I had to go Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. In order to see it, you know, the initial funding come in, mm-hmm. and even if I take a loss, because you know, like like we said, my expenses are more than ten thousand. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted to create the book, and right. so it's going to be for sale, and hopefully, eventually, I'll make my money back. Mm-hmm. Of course, if the Kickstarter does really well, then I'll make my money back ahead of time. Right, sure, which is always hopeful. Right, and and now for like the burning question we have, due to the name of your Kickstarter, we're just wondering. Who is the pot-bellied kobold? It's <laughs> a great question. The pot-bellied kobold is Chrysalie Tingletoe, a gnome wizard who was cursed by an evil wizard to be a pot-bellied kobold. She is also cursed to stay within 50, uh, 30 feet of her covered wagon. So she can't <laughs> leave her wagon. She can't go into town. Um, she's a happy little pot-bellied kobold, but, uh, you know, she's got this curse on her. And so part of the book is going to be that you've got this list of one-shot adventures that Chrysalie Tingletoe or the Potbelly Cobalt, however you want to call her, uh, can dole out to the um, to the adventuring party and say, hey, I've got this adventure for you. You know, kind of like a like a access point for new adventures. Mm-hmm. Like um, a quest giver? Hey. Yeah, a quest giver. Come here. It's also <laughs> going to include a way to um, reverse the curse. So you go through and she has certain quests that you need to go through and collect certain items for her. And then once those items are collected, she'll be able to reverse the curse and then become her prior gnome self of Crystal mm-hmm. Tingletoe. I'm now wondering what would happen if the wagon got burned down? 
Can it get burned it's down? It's a magic weapon. Okay. Yeah. 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 Smart. He's like, I already thought about that. First thing they're going to try to do is burn the motherfucker down. Hey, come on, Pookie. Now, see, <laughs> like, I what's had cool to is the inside of her wagon, she's, <laughs> she still has her magical powers. So she's converted the inside of her wagon into like a little pocket dimension. So it's much larger than the outside of the wagon. And That's she cool. has some a couple of constructs in there that uh, she has rolling around to help protect her and everything. So hmm. I think it's That's a neat little cool. idea. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that the the quests are kind of to to help her. I noticed at the front of the book you mentioned that you can actually you give details if somebody wanted to encompass the entirety as a whole campaign. Um, it won't be the entire. It won't be all fifteen adventures. We'll probably link maybe eight adventures together to make it a campaign, so a short campaign. But I'm sure a DM mm-hmm. could easily insert the others if they wanted to. So that that's pretty cool. So you ha- here you have this product. That is one shots galore to that they're prepared. They got maps. Everything's laid out smooth. You can run it. But if you decide, hey, man, they really like this. Well, let's just go to this next one. Oh, let's go to this next one. And eventually it gives you what you need to tie that all together and complete an entire campaign, which I just thought was a very clever way to do that. Because now you've you've got this um, uh, product that indirectly is a, could be a campaign book. Which isn't something that you mm-hmm. usually see when you get the the collection of adventures mm-hmm. that are just one shots and done. So I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, I wanted to give DMs, I wanted to give the consumer multiple ways to use it. Sure, yeah. and I thought that would be a good way to you do. You definitely it. succeeded, especially between that and the Cobalt Press content. Mm. Yeah, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, Slime Cave of Norwal, which also, by the way, is available now for yeah. free. Yep, you can download that one for free on Drive-Thru RPG. That was an adventure that James and Tricasso wrote. Oh. And um, the art the art that I got in for that was just stunning. Yeah. And I wanted to do a promo to kind of show off the art, show off the book, and give people for free mm-hmm. uh, when they actually backed, or if they even if they didn't back the Kickstarter, they could still go download the adventure for free. Mm-hmm. Just to give them a taste of what it's going to look like, mm-hmm. the art and the writing and that type of thing. And so I, you know, talked to James. I said, "Hey, James, I'm going to use your adventure as a promo." He's like, "Cool!" And <laughs> threw that up on Drive Through RPG, and mm-hmm. it's been downloaded 500 times now so far. That's insane! And you can head on over to CriticAcademy.com/post/episode 191, and there's a link directly to it there. Um, we'll also put it in the the chat box here, so you guys have it. Because honestly, I first of all, that was genius. Because I instantly fell in love with your product after reading that, and um, cool. I think that was the goal, <laughs> and you succeeded. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, it was well written, and it has a, a, a big name behind it as well, which has even more draw. Because now, um, mm-hmm. from a from a, a promotion standpoint, that's just it was very clever. Did, I mean, did you come up with that, or was that something that uh, was brainstormed elsewhere, or you're just like I want to? I've do seen this. I've seen other people do it. Um, I don't know if they released it before the, the Kickstarter started, but I wanted to get mine out there and kind of promote the Kickstarter before it actually launched. Mm-hmm. And so I, I threw it out on Drive Through RPG about a month before the, the Kickstarter launch. Very clever. And I, because you know Kickstarter, you've got different people that you're trying to pull in to to, do your, to back your Kickstarter. You've got the Kickstarter followers mm-hmm. who Kickstarter emails and says, "Hey, this is brand new. You might want to check us out." Then you've got all these people on Twitter and Facebook, and you've got people on Drive Through RPG who are downloading free content and that right. type of thing. So, you know, just another venue to try and get new um, backers or supporters. Yeah, and, and this uh, is some of the aspect too of if you 
went on somebody's Kickstarter, when that user creates a new Kickstarter, Kickstarter tells you, hey, you remember that one thing you liked? They're making another one. Yes. Yep. That definitely, and I, I'm, I'm really hoping that that, uh, that helps. Um, a foot in the door. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of people that have been launching Kickstarters that are normally DMs Guild creators. Because I, I assume it has a lot to do with the fact that DMs Guild has so many opportunities for other people now um, that stuff doesn't stay up top very long, gets pushed off. So they're looking for other avenues to explore and, and, and like yourself, make it a, a potentially a full time business. So, um, which sure. because you don't have the the people that are the big names. Uh, pushing as much on DMs Guild, it gives other people an opportunity now to to rise up. What is the what is the old uh, adage about the about rising tide raises all boats or whatever? I'm not exactly yep. good with all that shit, but that's I what I, that's what I envision and um, for this scenario because you basically um, got are get are are expanding and growing your skill set and your audience and and Kickstarter allows for that, which is a fantastic opportunity. Um, so, I do have to ask, um, um, is there anything, it, there's a lot of adventures in here, uh, I, it's safe to assume you've read all of your own, your adventures, um, is there, <laughs> is there one that you absolutely found that was just out of the ordinary, was superb, did, even if it was all the same cliches, or it was something out of the ordinary and from left field that just you fell in love with? So there's a few of them in there. Oliver Clegg wrote like a murder mystery type thing that happens Ooh. at a dinner party um, and includes some really cool NPCs. And I uh, procured the art for all those NPCs, which Ari Abara did some amazing work for those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, MT Black wrote Clunk Spindles Clockwork Conundrum, which is kind of like a um, labyrinthian maze type thing that you go through and you have to get clues and stuff to open doors and that type of thing. Or and the map for that's the map. I think the map for that's on the Kickstarter page. It's, it's an amazing map. Yeah, definitely. Um, they need, you guys need to be checking out this Kickstarter page. Um, there's a link to it right in our show notes. Uh, check it out. Cause there's some amazing stuff there. And then um, Greg Marks did one called TikTok, which is occurs within a clock. Um, different. Each hour is a different room of the clock and you have to, do certain things in order to get out of the clock once you're in it. Oh, hmm. So is that like a, a giant clock, or you're all shrunk? Like, honey, I shrunk the. Kids. I don't want to give that away. Oh, okay oh, then. Yeah. No, if it's That's part of the awesome. plot, then yeah. That's fantastic. Sure. Oh yeah. And Tony Winslow Brill wrote one um, called uh, "Oh Dang Gummit." I forgot what it is. It, it deals with an, an old adventurer's retirement home. Okay. What? And so you have to go. <laughs> adventurers yeah. get to retire. If they adventurers retirement home. These are old adventurers, and there's some oh things God. going on in there that you have to investigate. She oh did a, a great job with it. Uh, the inst- instability of isolation, I think, is what it's called, something like that. Um, but yeah, she did a great job. So there's some really cool stuff in this. Okay, I'm thinking so many things with that plot hook. One of them being, well, you know what they say about people who live long in professions where people tend to not live very long. What's that? They're usually pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> what they do. It reminds me of that movie Red. Have you guys seen that? Yep. Uh-huh. With the, all the the hero, the badasses coming out of uh, retirement. Or one episode of the uh, animated Hercules series where he actually goes into a retirement home and finds a uh, retired hero. <laughs> that just like I'm done. <laughs> pretty much. You know, it's funny. You, I know it's horrible, and it was has. Did anybody ever see Sucker Punch? 
Yeah, I, I envision it, it was being like a like fever that. dream for me. That's all I remember. Yeah, it, I feel like it's like that. All these adventurers, uh, they, they, they can't move. They're all Not weak and feeble, <laughs> and they're just sitting there. And all their minds have accessed this like extra dimensional astral plane thing to take on their old young lives again. Um, that'd be wild. That's that a would good be one cool. Too. But that's Not quite like that. <laughs> that'd be cool. That's that's, that's a what great I idea. Imagine. But anyways, uh, you you uh, we were lucky enough. You sent us a, a sample that had some really good stuff in it, and we were so happy to have you on the show because um, this is uh, such a, a fun product. And once again, y- your writing team is just outstanding. Is there mm-hmm. anything else you would like to talk about before we move on to the next segment of the show? Anything we missed? Oh. Man, I don't know. The art, the maps are great. I'm, uh, I think it's just going to be a beautiful product once it's all done. Yep. Alan Tucker's doing layout for me. The layout's looking great. Alan's um, awesome. Yeah, Alan's a great guy. He's been. I've been right before the Kickstarter launch. So I'm like, okay, I need a black banner with the cobalt on it with this on it. He's like, is this what you want? I said, yep, that's exactly what I need. So he's been <laughs> able to just throw stuff at me as I've asked him for it. Is he if he's on this Twitch? If he's on, he was. If he's watching yeah, right now. Sure yeah, thanks, early. Alan. You yeah. really, really appreciate yep, your work. He is. It's, <laughs> it's called instability of isolation. He uh, made sure yeah. that's what it was. Um, yeah, and honestly, I've recently had the pleasure of working with Alan, and I'm super impressed by his speed, his accuracy and his uh communication skills and his work is just phenomenal so i can i will say that you can get the the pdf for 15 bucks on the kickstarter Mm -hmm. um there you go which is very very reasonable there's two tiers there's a 15 dollar and the 20 dollar tier the 15 dollar is the same as the 20 dollar but the 15 dollar is just sitting there so that if you can't afford the 20 dollar you can still get into the kickstarter 15 Mm -hmm. very cool interesting um, and it is going to be, uh, once it's done, it'll be uh, print-on-demand through drive-thru RPG, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So. And hopefully Amazon. Be on Amazon, too. <laughs> What's awesome. a good place to go yes. to? Amazon's cool. It can suck away your money and ads, though. Yeah. Be careful oh. with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I find I find people are uh, trustworthy of Amazon more than I would they would if they're not familiar with like drive through RPG or DMs Guild. They get a little like, worried, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's there. It builds confidence in people who aren't used to buying from those third party uh, places. So, mm-hmm. where can everyone uh, find you? Uh, find your Kickstarter. Find you. Visit you. All that jazz. You can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active at J Corvin Stevens. Uh, on the DMs Guild, Jeff Stevens, and um, Kickstarter, Adventures from the Potbelly Cobalt. Mm-hmm. You have a website too, correct? Jeff Stevens. Games. Oh, I do, I do. <laughs> JeffStevensGames.com, yep. <laughs> He's like, I probably, Pretty I should there. probably remember to, to let people know that. Um, there's a link to your site on our website as well as you are part of the Crit Nation. So, um, fantastic. Well, I think that'll do it for Adventures from the Potbelly Cobalt. I hope that you guys will go and support uh, Jeff. Check out his uh, Kickstarter and mm-hmm. be ready to be blown away. Absolutely. Now, the fun part. Everyone every week hears about the amazing giveaway from Jeff Stevens, the Scourge of the Nightingale. Would you like to tell people uh, what this uh, product is about and as well as the extended uh, um, trio <laughs> trilogy, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, the Nightingale um, is uh, a the, the big bad in this trilogy and um, she was wronged by this community and she's come back to seek vengeance on it. And she does so by, she, she wants to start a war um, on uh, in, in the, in the region and she's gathering troops and, and orcs and um, mammoths and just, just diff- all these different types of things to start a war. And so you're 
your adventures are tasked with kind of learning learning about this as the adventures um the, as the trilogy as the trilogy go i can't talk today as the Story trilogy um yeah as, as you play the trilogy and so the first one is uh is a mission where you're trying to thwart her plans of uh, a kidnapped um uh performer named devon artis and uh unfortunately the the adventurer's plans don't go quite as planned and um never they they get to experience some fun things as it continues well we always remembered uh since the beginning of this show uh they always turn left instead of right <laughs> bastards <laughs> <laughs> then we went right um well that one and then time. Went right. <laughs> i would like to personally say thank you for always supporting the show and offering some of your amazing content to our audience who is of course the... you guys have been a great for me so <laughs> well, we're glad um who is the winner of this amazing product uh there jeff the winner is the dm's council there's there's a council for dms yeah apparently it's wow. a very small one yeah i can't imagine it's <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it's hard to get players to show up for the game as it is so getting anybody to show up for dms would be a lot easier i would imagine oh no yeah it'd probably be a lot easier because oh, they're yeah. the ones that organize and make the time they'll make it happen Exactly. <laughs> Congratulations to the DMs Council. Um, we hope you enjoy the product. I'm sure Jeff would appreciate a wonderful review if you enjoy the product. Reviews always help. Yes. They do always awesome. help. Um, but if you didn't win, have no fear. Crit Academy is here. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jeff Stevens and you can get Villains in Layers 3 and Encounters on the Seven Seas 3 for free. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. That has nothing to do with us. He just always does that. Yep. But we give you one central location. <laughs> stuff which like really kind is just... kind of what dm's guild does so i guess i don't know why we're here <laughs> eh, we're like another little avenue to kind of wiggle uh, our way in you know yeah. and now what you've all been waiting for our unearth tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and dms Cool. Austin, would you like to take our character concept today? Absolutely, especially since it says something along the lines of, the character concept today is the battle commander. Oh, I'm yeah. always about it. Follow my commands and victory will be ensured. Ooh, that was really good. Yeah. Uh, you are the embodiment of the battle leader in action, an inspiring commander who effortlessly flows from issuing commands to engaging the adversary and back again as conditions on the front line warrant. As a leader who battles as well as she leads... You have earned the allegiance and admiration of your allies, and together you have been forged into a unified battle squad. Jeff, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What class would you pick to run this uh, sort of arc, this sort of character concept? I'd say either a fighter or a paladin. Right. Good choices. I can see that. I uh, definitely think that the fighter works really well if you get the commander <laughs> uh, battle master build. Um, where you can literally have the rogue or another uh, melee barbarian take mm. a, take an action in place of yours if they're going to do more heavy duty stuff or be bigger. Um, also, taking the there's a feat that gives temporary HP. I think. Yep. Uh, is inspiring leader actually. I think inspiring is what it's called. Inspiring leader. Yeah. Um, which I think would go really really well with this. Give that old school uh, warlord feel. I think. Mm -hmm. And a couple things too is like there's a couple abilities that battlebusters can use that could mm -hmm. help with that. And there's also the uh, well, the purple dragon knight from the yep. Sword Coast Adventures, yep. which is also called purple the, dragon knight. The, really good. the banneret. Okay. Those are some good ones. <laughs> 
which basically revolves on being a battlefield commander of some kind. <laughs> so. yeah. I can see that. Now, there's one class I think would actually be really good at this. Bard? Yeah. Damn it, bastard. <laughs> you always you pretty much always say bard. You always find a way to throw bard into it. Well, maybe I have a thing for bards, okay? Yeah, um, I it. think it works really good with their ability to access their um, their um, bardic inspiration, the bane bardic spell. Pretty good. You know, all those sorts of things kind of fit that theme. And in fact, if you really like this concept, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com and pick up the War Channer that's all about this shit. Yeah. Who's also a bard. Yeah. Who's these pole arms? Troops. I think the bard ha- would have to have bagpipes, though, to be a battle commander. <laughs> Get out of here with I'm that. I'm about the bagpipes. Bagpipes. That just that seems like a the powerful instrument. You know, you yeah. think about like Rob you gotta, Roy, and you have to and, like um, you know how much air you have to blow into that thing to make sound a lot. And you know how skilled you got to be to do it while people are trying to murder you. Absolutely, bagpipes. You're just letting them know yeah, that you're no, on the dude, way. A dagger, and it's done. Yeah, then you kill them. <laughs> no more bag- bagpipes. And you then can't you... just dagger them. <laughs> Do you know how much I would piss off a Scotsman if you did that? <laughs> then you'd be dead. <laughs> you're telling me you're going uh, to stab... my pipes. <laughs> That's my <Samurai> Jack episode. <laughs> I'm trying to stab the bagpipes of a 6 7 Scotsman. I'm not going to. I'd rather turn the other way. Anyways. Um... But also. My input on this, thank you for skipping me. Well, you know. Because <laughs> it's not my character concept, but it's there. It has my name next to it. What would you do? I'd totally choose the Conqueror Paladin, 100%. Oh, the Conquest Paladin? Conquest? Conquest Paladin. Conqueror, Conquest, same, same thing. Same thing, okay. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Um, actually, this is basically how my wife lives her life. So, yeah, that definitely fits. She is a Conquest Paladin. <laughs> so, um, this fits really well. I can see that. Well done. Oh, she already knows. I mentioned it years ago. And I was just like, I already been punished for calling her a conquest. I was like, and you're still alive. I'm impressed. <laughs> no, I'm not. She murdered me, and I am a robotic double, so she never got caught after taking the life insurance. Anyways, <laughs> impressive, so, honestly. <laughs> that'll do it for our character concept, the battle commander. Our monster variant today is the Zanari. Um, now, there's a lot of lore with this. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to our patrons. This was a crowdsourced uh, concept from our patrons, so thank you guys very much. Little is known, uh, including you. You're you're not a patron, but thank you. Um, I found that writing the mechanics is my specialty, and leaving the descriptions to everyone else is like that thing. Uh, little is known about these aberration abominations. They prefer damp, abandoned mines or expansive tunnels, even sewer systems on rare occasions. Tales are told to adventurers and travelers to never journey into unexplored tunnels, for the darkness hides the drinker of dreams. It stalks its prey day and night, tormenting and cursing them as they are chased through the tunnel, skittering along the walls and ceilings. The creature, d- <laughs> the creature does everything it can to prevent its prey from receiving even a single moment's respite. It uses hit-and-run tactics combined with its piercing claws that curse its foe with nightmarish waking dreams. The Zenery prefers to slowly devour their prey, while they are stuck in a state of confusion, lost among its labyrinth-like tunnels. Few survivals still coherent enough to speak have given widely varying descriptions of this creature. The only consistency across all survivors are the six green eyes that stare at you from the darkness. Is this just a really hardcore praying mantis? Yeah. That's scary. (laughs) I'm not about that. (laughs) 
If praying mantises were like even like half the size of humans, they'd take over the world. This is a large creature, so it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> the, the world's taken over. <laughs> so uh, the origin stat block we use for this, by the way, um, our patrons get uh, access to these as like really nice, you know, um, laid out uh, stat blocks with images and stuff. And the monster image is just terrifying as hell um so the origin for this it starts with the bone devil stat block you get rid of its uh its sting its telepathy its devil sight its claw its sting its fly its multi-attack pretty much everything that makes it a devil it just keeps the block really <laughs> right you get the uh you're we're gonna give it the spider climb we give it a new claw attack that has a reach of 10 feet and uh, when it hits the target, it magically curses them, and t- uh, whenever it takes a uh, short or long rest, it fills their thoughts with horrible images and dreams. Uh, the cursed target gains no benefit from finished short or long rest. The curse lasts until it is lifted by remove curse or similar magic. There's no save. No? No, if it hits you, don't There's get hit. There's nothing. Don't get hit. You don't get the save for any of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, oh. it also has a disorienting sting, which has also a 10-foot reach um, that does some piercing damage and psychic damage, which does give you a save, intelligence uh, saving throw, or be subjected to confusion for up to a minute. Um, no concentration required by the monster, which means it can confuse multiple players at once if it mm-hmm. manages to hit them. Uh, uh, and then also the target gets to repeat its saving throw at the end of its turns. This is where it gets interesting. So I've talked before how I like to get rid of the multi-attack and give it the legendary action and give it extra features, including an additional attack, because I think it's really cool when the monsters swap <laughs> players on their turn instead of just, you know, them getting one. It feels like it's spread out more, but that's just me. Yeah. So uh, it has lus- illusory sight, which basically gives it allows it to use its legendary action to disbelieve illusions, making it hard to trick. Um, and it has piercing fling. It, when it makes a disorienting, uh, it makes a disorienting string, uh, sting or claw attack. The target must succeed a strength saving flow, uh, throw or be flung 15 feet away from the creature in direction of its choice. So, sorry, that was a really long one, guys. Um, <laughs> well, so it not only does it get hit, but it has to make another saving throw just to. And it, as it gets flung away. Well, that's a that it's gonna uh, yeah. If it's going to use its uh, it uses its re- its legendary action to hit a target with either its it makes an attack with its disorienting sting or its claws against mm-hmm. the target. Then now it, in that condition it can fling it, but not in the normal turn, I guess. Yes, that's still cool. Yeah. I like that. I think I stole that from the Kraken or something, where it can legendary tentacle and fucking send people flying. Uh, anyways, Jeff, <laughs> Just... uh, what do you think about this? That's pretty cool. I like it. The no save on the claw attack is pretty scary. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Uh, just for clarification, <laughs> mechanically, I didn't design this. This is from another monster, so I did not opt to put not a save in it. It was like that when I found it. It already existed. <laughs> which is still I, equally terrifying. Yeah, I don't remember which monster I got that from, but uh, I was like, dude, that's awesome. It's a lower level monster, too, I think. Uh, but anyways, not in this case, <laughs> um, the idea, I love this thing, just uh, very much aliens. The movie alien was going yeah. in my head, this thing skittering on the ceiling and then just whacking you with its tail and you being flown or flung around the, uh, the area or being, you know, sent into a confusion ray where you just start running in a random direction or attacking your allies just sounded awesome. And the fact you can't get a short rest or a long rest. Ouch. I also keep picturing the chittering from the predator on this oh, thing. Oh so. yes. <laughs> you can't, you can't rest because. You constantly hear that noise. Go ahead. When I started reading it, I was thinking, I just watched The Descent. That's really good. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, I The have Descent. Not. Is it good? 
Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, a group of girls goes spelunking in this um, Appalachian cave system, and they find some pretty crazy things down there. I'll have to check no, it out. Is it on Netflix I or something? Watched that. I heard the of it. Descent. It, I can't remember where I watched it, either Netflix or HBO, but uh, it's well, it's good. I'll have to both check of it them. Out. I love stuff one like and two that. are both good. I just recently rewatched uh, uh, like a time loop thing where they went into the cave, and it was really cool stuff. It's on, gone now, but anyways, I should watch Tenet last night. How was it? It needs a second viewing, no okay. question. <laughs> All right. Um, so, any other comments on this? Mm-hmm. I know it was really long-winded. No, that's why that's I don't good. usually include all the lore anymore. It just gets in the stat block. But I wanted to for this one because I felt it really set the mood for what this bastard is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll do it for our monster variant, the <laughs> Zenery. And like I said, if you like this, consider becoming a patron. Every single week I put out one or two of these really nice monsters along with other things that keep my ass busy. But um, they're really nice. All right. Jeff, would you like to tell us about our encounter? Yeah, the encounter of the week is called a lost cog. I forgot about this. While traveling, while traveling through a large plain or barren valley, the characters stumble across a strange round metal object in the middle of a crater coated in thick layers of dust. It has small wings with spindly arms and legs, all broken with sparks shooting out of it. The object is a damaged monodron, monster, monster manual uh, reference, uh, with one hit point, and its name is D2R2. <laughs> the creature was sent out years ago, its last 17th cycle from Mechanus. During its last seven, 17th yeah, cycle from Mechanus. A creature knows the following information about Mechanus with a successful DC-19 intelligence arcana, or automatically knows it if they are an artificer. Cool. Mechanus, a plane that embodies absolute order and one made m- almost entirely of clockwork gears, are interlocked and turning according to their measure. D2R2 was sent out on a reconnaissance mission to gather information on the state of the material realm. Unfortunately, during its travel, it was damaged and has been unable to do its duty, as it has been stuck in this location for many years, unable to move. D2R2 seeks the character's aid to repair itself so that it can finish its reconnaissance and report to Primus its findings. The characters must find an artificer to help D2R2 um, (laughs) carrying him around as he does his recon, taking interest in every little detail and constantly struggling to understand illogical behavior. If the party has an artificer, the repair should require rare adamantium or mithril components they must seek out and find before they can finish the job. Hmm. You know, I could also see an argument for a forged domain cleric, too. Hmm. I could, too. Well, I didn't think about that, so excellent point. Hmm. What do you think about this, Jeff? <laughs> I like it. It's a fun little uh, encounter idea, and it's something that can it can last like one session, or it can go on through the entire campaign as D2R2 makes uh, references to their illogical behavior. <laughs> Like, as heroes, that's almost all they do. I mean, from an outside source, watching adventurers run into danger is illogical in most cases. But I also love the idea of them basically strapping uh, Sheldon Cooper to their back, who's just nagging them the entire time. (laughs) Or C-3PO, you know? Just like C-3PO and Chewbacca. Oh, man, that's really awesome. I recall, for the most part, the denizens of Mechanus, with the manager I'm here, for example, tend to be lawful good. Mm-hmm. But I stress the lawful part because, as you kind of said there, they believe strongly in order and logic. So, do you have anything? No. Uh, really. The one thing I want to touch on, I included the 17th cycle, 
because that is part of the 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 mechanis lore where they're constantly every so often they send out these waves to explore to see how the universe is altered or changed since the last time they did it um i don't actually know how long that time frame is um but i think that that's interesting to imagine that this thing might have been laying there for, ye- I mean, dozens, hundreds, thousands of years just laying there, getting coated in dust in the environment, and somebody just happens to wander by and finally find him, and he's ready to finish his job, but this time maybe another one's happening or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's a good opportunity to introduce the characters to another plane of existence, because mm-hmm. once they figure out how to get them there, well, maybe they become friends with them, and they want to go and see and explore and all that stuff, so... Uh, this was, uh, I designed this in mind with the idea of exploration being a key, finding components to fix and lo- locating somebody to fix them, um, all that stuff. So, uh, but what if somebody wants to steal a D2R2? Dude, because they think it's a, a rare thing. And so you've got this other, this other group that says, I want this thing. I want this creature. Trying to steal it from you while you're trying to get them home. <gasps> that yep. sounds like E.T. It's E.T. Isn't that what happened to E.T.? <laughs> Yep. Like the little yeah, kids trying will. to save him while the government's trying to take him, get him home. That's awesome. It'd That's be a happy interesting accident. to see, like, if any like, uh, like other parties know what D two R two actually is, and they just actively try and like take him for whatever reason yeah that sounds awesome i think that's a really that, that's why i idea. really like these little encounter things that we do because i feel like they give us a good thing you can run but then they can be expanded upon and it'd be different for every dungeon master and every table that runs it which is awesome so i really want to do this now and yeah i was scrolling through the player or the monster manual some time ago i was like i've never used this monster i'm gonna figure out what to use it for we are in Avernus now All right yep hmm. All right, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, A Lost Cog. Thank you, Jeff. Yes. And today, our magic item is the Staff of the Mind Sculptor. This oaken staff has a sapphire gamut in its head with three silver-cast mermaids with arms outstretched, grasping the deep ocean like gem. Side note, I have no idea how to pronounce that, so I just winged it. What is it? <laughs> gamut. Uh, Yeah. Right. I think it's a typo. Gem I think at. it's supposed to be gem at its head. Okay. That makes way more sense. <laughs> this is why I have editors. This oaken staff has a sapphire gem at its head. It was three silver cast mermaids with arms outstretched, grasping the deep ocean like gem. There, that helps me with editing two down the line. Now, this staff is very rare, and it requires attunement. Your ability to see the truth in the false is amplified by this magical item. You have advantage on all intelligence investigation checks to disbelieve illusions. While you hold it, you also gain a plus one bonus to your spell save DC for any illusion spells you cast. The staff has ten charges. While holding it, you can use an action to expend one or more of its charges to cast one of the following spells from it, using your spell save DC. Color spray, blur, or major image. And each one has varying costs. The staff regains 1d6 plus 4 expended charges daily at dawn. If you expend the last charge, roll a d20. On the 1, the staff becomes clear, splashes into a puddle of water, and is destroyed. What do you guys think? I like it. Gives the spellcasters more defensive options. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. I I have trouble just popping up, just coming up with ideas for magic items like that. So, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I can't uh, take all the credit for that. Um, I totally look at 
Magic the Gathering image cards and come up with ideas for this stuff. And I was really no worries. That's, that's cool. <laughs> I re- I was actually recently uh, uh, hired uh, Remley Farr, who do- who actually is in the chat now, who does something similar. I've always only done it for Magic items, but he does it for like his adventures and his monsters and everything. I was like, I need to step up my game. Yep, he's in chat now, actually. Yeah, I know. I, I, I saw that. Um, he I was really, a good guy. He yeah. did he did good there. Yeah, you actually you uh, sent me his direction, and he's been doing some phenomenal work. So. Uh, doing our one shot uh, our one page adventures for our patrons that we release um so i really like this thing uh i when i every time i go through the the dungeon master's guide everything seems to be about direct combat all the time increase your armor increase your damage blah 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 um while there's a few that are just focused on pure utility i didn't see any staffs that really did that um, and so I thought giving the illusionists their own staff would encourage that sort of, or giving a player a staff of, of illusions would incur that sort of, um, uh, encourage that sort of, uh, gameplay. So, and plus, you know, I totally didn't base it off of Jace the Mind Sculptor at all. Nope. Not at all. I would never do that. <laughs> Thanks, Watsy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll do it for our magic item, the staff of the Mind Sculptor. Okay. And our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is Monster Madness. The terrifying layers of some monsters can incite a level of madness that can quickly overtake even the most hardy of adventures. Uh, You can enhance the feeling of terror by adding a new layer or regional effect for otherworldly monsters such as Mind Flayers, Beholders, and other powerful monstrosities. Uh, While in the monster's layer or within sight of the monster, roll on the monster madness table to determine the nature of the madness, which is a character flaw that lasts until cured. See the Dungeon Master's Guide for more on madness. I totally didn't uh, steal this from one of Jeff's adventures at all. No. Nope. One of my favorite adventures. I'm looking at you. (laughs) No, it was was awesome. And uh, anyways, so what are the the flaws? Tasha's? Yeah. Is that Tasha's? Yeah. Uh, This was... uh... Uh, been in there for a long time, and I thought it was appropriate that it come out when you were here. So sure. So it's on a D100, and of course it's a flaw that lasts until cured. On a one through twenty, it says someone is plotting to kill me. I need to kill them first to stop them. On a twenty-one through forty, there is there is only one solution to my problems: kill everyone. Forty-one through sixty, there is more than one person within my head. Oh no! It's kind of an issue. <laughs> You're just beside yourself on that one. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, 61 through 80. If you don't agree with me, I'll beat you into submission to make you rethink your position. That's rough. <laughs> this is very violent. It is, but that's kind of the point, I'm assuming. 81 through, uh, double zero, 100. I guess. I guess 100, yeah. I can't allow anyone to touch or even look at anything that belongs to me. They will certainly try and steal it away from me. My precious! Yeah, that's very Lord precious. of the Rings vibes there. Um... And I actually like this because I saw this, not only did I see this in Tasha's hideous uh, laughter, but there's also the Shadowfell disease that's in the Dungeon Master's Guide and the details in, there's some details in Descent into Avernus that have a similar effect. Um, And I think that uh, this is something that can be applied to monster locations in general because we know we have the regional effects and stuff that some of the monsters give off, you know water in the area smells like sulfur and boils or when it gets too close mm-hmm. or stuff is petrified in the area. Why not have something that can alter the, the characters in a more, um, not less physical way in a more and almost like state. a fundamental level. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, um, Jeff, since you know, that's partly your idea. <laughs> I love it. I, bet. <laughs> I would hope so. It'd be really you, weird otherwise. Have you used anything like this since <clears throat> in any of your adventures? 
I mean, within the NPCs, you know, you you always give them some kind of flaw, but nothing nothing like uh, if you don't agree with me, I'll beat it and beat you into submission to make you rethink your position. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's, that's great, you know. Yeah, I'm not very good at coming up with flaws, so I'm happily taking submissions to change that. But uh, I think this one uh, specifically works really well with like mind flayers. Well, it means to me too. Some of these flaws, I could see some adventures having anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I don't mean it in a negative way, as in if it makes it worse. It's like I can't tell if they're just being themselves or if something's wrong with them. Yeah, but <laughs> I think the biggest use of this is stuff like protection from good and evil needs to come into play. Spells mm-hmm. that I don't see get used as often can help prevent this, which. If it's used, if you're given a warning to your party, like, hey, when you enter this area, it's, you know, it messes with your mind. It should encourage them to prepare spells and features that they wouldn't otherwise need. Um, And that's why I wanted to make this a little harsher than it could be. Like in Tasha's, it's just, it's funny. Like some of the the flaws and stuff they get, it just, it cracks me up. Um, This, I wanted to go a little bit different direction because I wanted to force the characters to come up with some sort of... um, uh, I think the character should uh, be forced to come up with some sort of deterrent, a nuclear deterrent. Um, and if they don't go, if they don't, it punishes them severely. At least that was the the thought when I originally uh, thought of this. But you can change this flawless to whatever you want. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the beauty of a lot of these things. I mean, mm-hmm. just come up with ideas, and you know, you know your party as a DM. You know what's going to mm-hmm. spark them, and and be like, mm-hmm. oh no, not that. You know, right. Um, I'm also a bit of a douche, and I do turn my players against each other pretty often. Actually, I think it's Not mostly you. Time. Not in recent time. Oh, well. That's yeah. a shame. Uh, it's time, been, time for that to happen. <laughs> it's, it's It's been months yeah. since I've hurt another killed person another on my team. <laughs> yeah. You almost killed somebody, didn't you? Did I? No, Did they I? all ran away in the underwater adventure, I think. No, I no, killed everyone killed in the underwater one. In it was a wipe, wasn't it? One. Yeah, it was a wipe. Yeah, I killed everybody. A wipe. <laughs> As a one shot, it's okay. Anyways, yeah, kill slash dominate more accurately. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. You guys could have ran away. No, they oh, couldn't. No, have. you couldn't. We were blocked of, off because of, in the slowdown in the water. And then I the had full master. speed in the water. So yeah, yeah they, and I was a champion fighter, oh, and they were out of spell slots, mages. So just so it everyone knows, bad I am not as a terrible DM as it sounds. <laughs> Okay, maybe a little bit. Anyways, I think hey man, I'm okay with uh, some some conflict. Like, uh, I mean, especially if I'm the bad guy, that gives me reason well, to be like, my, hey, in my I defense, get to fight more people. <laughs> it's not my fault the save is most people's dump stat. Yeah, that's yeah. really not on no, me. No, no, that's yeah. Let's put an eight in this. Nobody uses this skill at all. <laughs> Until the champion fighter gets dominated, and he looks at his best friends like they're a pile of pork rinds. <laughs> He's like, hey. <laughs> Uh, you look good today. He's like, "Oh, thank you. That's awkwardly nice of you." <laughs> He's not usually nice. Uh, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip, Monster Madness. Pretty good. One. Um, I would encourage you to make all the flaws somehow related to maybe the monster that is in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, that would like be a behold. Like if you were like uh, afraid of like the beholder, you could say like, "I'm always feeling like I'm being watched. There's just eyeballs everywhere around me." Oh damn, dude, that's really good. I like that. See. You just be like, it's all everywhere. And you're like, everyone's looking at me. I don't know. (laughs) Our player tip of the podcast is don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even, I don't even bother having them edit anymore. It's just, I love the, it's kind of become a thing. Some raw. (laughs) Uh, So today's arcane teaching is arcane bindings. You can 
Uh, you can use the Conjure Elemental spell to summon a powerful CR rating minion. Now, the largest problem with this is the Conjure Elemental spell only lasts an hour. And it requires concentration, so once you get whacked, it's it's just out of existence, right? Mm-hmm. What's worse, though, is that once it, you break your concentration, it's hostile towards you. So now you got a rampant elemental that wasn't there a moment ago. Right. Um... Now, with here's where it gets interesting. With the magic circle spell, um, you can use it to create uh, a powerful um, prison for celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. Mm-hmm. Once summoned, a uh, the spell uh, once summoned with some, uh, the uh, once summoned the magic circle if it's inverted because it can stop stuff from coming in and from right. getting out you want to make it a prison um you can use planar binding spell to force the creature to serve you for 24 hours and no longer require concentration and they're not going to necessarily be hostile to you when it's over as long as you have the components you can continue to bind them indefinitely so long as you pay the heavy cost of two fifth level spells and one thirty third level spell every night or every long rest or whatever. Um, though you can really lower the impact on a single character if you have multiple people that have the, the collection of those spells and you work together to create this binding. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? See, I love this kind of stuff because this would be like, you now suddenly have the tank of your party. Mm-hmm. If you're just all playing spellcasters, you just made a tank. Mm-hmm. Especially with someone in the Earth Elemental. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna listen to you because it has to. Yeah, and be, be, as long as you've got the resources, it never cannot be yours. Yeah, just make sure you wake up early enough to reset that binding. Because if you don't, <laughs> and you oversleep, uh, well, uh, th- there's a plot hook for you. You're uh, all gonna die. <laughs> what do you think? You may Jeff? have you may have just inspired some big bad, a, a big bad group of uh, wizards for oh, one yeah? of my next adventures. Oh, that's awesome! Well, definitely uh, send me a free copy. As a thank you. Five adventures to go around with this planar binded elemental, you know, I mean, just, you know, I think it looks, it sounds pretty darn cool. And, and I don't think it just has to be an elemental. I think that's the one that just has the, is the easiest right. to maintain. Cause you can summon stronger stuff. Um, like with mm-hmm. planar summoning, I think is one, or even the wish spell, um, you can gain. As act- long as you have like the magic circle on that and you can, you can really do a lot with and it. As long as you got the spell slots, you, you, it really is, uh, an interesting concept in, can totally change the way a party approaches uh, the game moving forward indefinitely. What would be really cool is you could really make a, a really cool plot hook about it. Uh, say like you're in Avernus, because that's what I'm thinking of right now, uh, and you're you're all in hell. Well, all these devils, uh, they summoned a uh, an angel, and then they are torturing this poor thing so that way it can fall, and now they have another fallen angel in their ranks. <gasps> That is awesome. So they're 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 effectively creating yeah. yeah they're summoning angels, binding them, and then torturing them till they become and fall and become demons like Zariel. Yes, it's a <laughs> lot harder uh, and more brutal than what Asmodeus did, since he was just kind of like, "Hey, I'm gonna whisper some sweet words to you, and you're gonna listen to me." Come and Zariel to the, was like, "Yes, <laughs> come to the dark side. I have cookies." <laughs> and she was like, "I want the whole damn plate." <laughs> oh, I, I love this. This is awesome. Remember, you can do this as players, guys. And you, you could, well, okay, don't torture, though. <laughs> just just be nice. Just be like, hey, we just want you guys to fight with us for a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. We don't really want you to hurt us. <laughs> That'd be great. 
Um, we just need help. Is there any other comments on this? I think this is really cool. Um, would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I that, don't really play spellcasters, but now I kind of want to. <laughs> I think that'll do it for our player tip. Don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by paying attention to arcane teachings and do those arcane bindings. Those Bind some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, currently my patrons just got access to a new uh, wizard subclass called the School of Binding. Guess what it does? Is it just magic circles galore? No, it by uh, it forms instead of forming packs with imps or anything, they bind mephits to their their service and they channel their spells Ooh. through the mephit to release unique powers instead of using the traditional spells. It's pretty cool, and you can do stuff like this too. But uh, oh. it's a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks to all my patrons who helped uh, put that bad boy together too. So, hmm. all right. Uh oh. Uh oh. I don't have a topic for next week. Just join us on our next episode. Yeah. Please (laughs) join us next week. We will have an awesome topic that I forgot. So we'll think of something. I had to move stuff around because we had a a cancellation and then I forgot to backfill it. So uh, we always have some awesome stuff. So come and check us out. Yeah. Works for me. Uh, If you have any feedback on their tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Twitch at Crit Academy. We're everywhere. Find us. Sorry. We hope you've enjoyed our ex- your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a ho- hopefully five-star review on iTunes or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. Also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on Twitch TV slash Crit Academy and subscribe on YouTube so we can help you on your future adventures as well as a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. Some of them from Jeff Stevens right here, actually. Yes. Make sure to check out our fellowship members as well. Yes. If you've mm-hmm. not been over to our Crit Nation page, please visit there. Uh, the Kind GM puts out amazing uh, content every week. Um, always doing his little blogs and his little Twitter posts. Uh, Jeff does amazing content. I want to send you over to... Uh, um, I'm sorry, Gabe. What is the name of your podcast? Inner Party Conflict. <laughs> it's one of my favorite podcasts, but apparently not enough to remember it. <laughs> um, check out Gabe and Jeff. They do amazing uh, show answering your questions every single week. Before we close out, um, Jeff, do you want to give yourself one more plug? Tell everyone who you are, where they can find you, and why they should pick up or support you on Kickstarter. I am Jeff Stevens. Uh, you can find me at J Corvin Stevens on Twitter, uh, jeffstevensgames.com on the internets, and DMs Guild at Jeff Stevens. And uh, my Kickstarter, uh, if it does really well, I'll be able to quit my full time job and go full time as RPG creator. Wow. That's why you should support it. Let's support his dream. That's what we're doing. Um, Alicia, if you're watching this right now, please go and back that project for me because i've been meaning to do it for like two days and i haven't <laughs> um i do have uh one more question did you say for them to visit jeffstevengames.com yeah i mentioned that okay again. awesome i was only half paying attention i was gonna give you a hard time that's all right. I didn't <laughs> all right that'll do it for our show today i am your host justin i'm your guest jeff stevens i'm your co-host austin i'm your co-host dan thanks for listening Keep your blades sharp and your spells prepared, heroes. (laughs) 